welcome to the Perfect Gentleman podcast. This is episode 56. I am Zach Falconer-Barfield, and alongside me is the debonair, charming, erudite, and totally wonderful Mr. James Marwood. <laughs> Hello, Zach. Thank you very much. How are you, my friend? I'm very good, sir. I'm very good. I'm enjoying our British summer, even though it can be changeable. I do enjoy a changeable British summer. I had a very busy couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to a little week of slowing down a little bit. Not much in my world. I'm taking a little bit of time off in August because I'm going to be 40. Whisper it carefully. I'm not planning on doing much. I'm just going to uh, relax and chill out. But I have had some quite nice family events recently. I've really enjoyed that. And summer's a great time to do that because you can have barbecues and outside events and things like that. It's just nice, relaxed, chilled out time to catch up with family and friends you haven't seen for ages. Exactly. Some of my plans for the August are exactly that. Go across the UK and maybe a quick trip to Europe to see some friends that I haven't seen in a while. That'd be great. What's caught your eye relatively recently, James? I mentioned just now those family events and a couple of them have been quite formal. Christenings, weddings, that kind of thing. And it's been disappointing, I think is probably the right word. Do I, do I hear a gentleman rant coming around, oh, James? Oh, potentially, yes, I think so. The floor is yours. Rant away. Clothing is important. It's not the most important thing. You know, how you act, how you treat people, all of those things are far more important than how you dress. But yet, you show respect and you get respect by dressing correctly. When you're at a formal event or even a semi-formal event even a joyous one like a christening or a wedding people have invited you there they've asked you to come and share their special event with them dressing like you're you can't be bothered it's an insult and it doesn't show the respect that people deserve could you give me an example of the clothing that you're you're renting about for example it would be as i saw recently jeans and an untucked shirt for a daytime christening even worse than that, a suit, clearly unpressed, the shirt untucked into the trousers, the waistcoat unbuttoned, tie unfastened and sort of loosely hung round your, your shoulders. That might be fine if you're a devilishly attractive nightclub singer at the end of a, of a long shift in 40 San Francisco. If you're going to a summer wedding in the UK, you're there with your family and your friends and they've asked you to be part of their event. No, tuck your shirt in, fasten your tie up, smarten yourself up. It's probably more work and more uncomfortable to have your clothes falling off you looking like a, like a slob than it is to tuck your shirt in. That would be my, my plea, my rant, to, by all means, wear an untucked shirt in a casual setting. If the shirt is designed to be untucked, that is, if it doesn't have a long, scooping front and back tail, then by all means wear it untucked. That's fine. If you've got a, a formal shirt at a formal event, it looks terrible if you leave it untucked you just look like a schoolboy. i would wholeheartedly agree with that there's two things there's i have seen something worse than that as well i have seen a logoed t-shirt and shorts at a christening oh no basically sort of come from the beach kind of look oh dear me you know when your jaw hits the floor and i thought you know he just stumbled into the wrong place or something yes i'm sorry the gym's three doors that way it's totally about respect we bang a ball about you know, the fundamental principle of a gentleman is respect. It's respect for yourself, respect for others, respect for the world at large. Well, how are you respecting others by turning up looking like you've just been out on a night in the town with the lads? One thing that did come out, though, that, that I thought was lovely and did put quite a smile on my face was there was a chap turned up. So I was stood sheltering from the sun under a, a shady tree waiting for everyone to assemble. And uh, this chap came around the corner looking just like I described. What I assume, what looked like his two sons followed him, and they were absolutely impeccable. 
one would be in his early 20s, one in his late teens, and they looked so stylish, dressed to the nines, simple suits, razor-sharp cut. I mean, they were tall, skinny boys, so they could get away with that. Everything was neat, tidy, pressed, smart. Mum was there. She was very well turned out. It was just Dad looking like a slob. So hopefully, this is a generational thing, and the younger generation will learn that lesson and outlast those messy slobs of their untucked shirts. I think you and I both read this article, and you are a big fan of Bruce Boyer. Oh, so much. And I am a good fan of his as well. He wrote an article for firstthings.com. Yes. Which you referred to as... uh, Casualization. Yes! I've talked about Bruce before. He's probably the most, probably my favourite menswear writer. Pretty much any menswear style blogger is basically just regurgitating what Boyer said. He said it first, he said it better. He talks about respect and about this abandonment of the formal public self, of the the way the clothing signifies that. I get about, about business casual, I get about changing fashions, changing mores, and that's fine. You know, I dress down for clients that like that, for officers that way. But that doesn't mean you have to be, you have to be a slob or you have to be messy. Even if you're wearing traditional blue-collar clothing, I mean, the stuff that Boyer calls out are things like chambray, denim, jeans, that sort of workwear stuff. Even field and stream outdoor stuff, what we would call country clothing here. That can look fine. If it fits you, if it's tidy, if it has the right sort of silhouette, then it's casual but it's smart and it's flattering and you will look really well. Simon Compton on on Permanent Style has been writing about this loads recently. You know, he nails it so well when he talks about the importance of trim cuts not tight, but trim with a suitable drape that does a lot of the same things a suit would do for your physique, you know, giving that you that idealised physique, but where Boyer calls it delightfully prol gear so much of it just doesn't fit. You can spend thousands on designer copies of stuff that was originally designed by military uniform makers in the 50s or the 60s. Buy an original, it'll look better, it'll age better, it'll probably fit you better. But also think about actually what it is that that garment is doing for you. What is it doing for your silhouette? Is it making you look like a ball like one of the kids from South Park? Or is it actually driving you towards an idealised physique, helping you look taller, slimmer, broader in the chest and shoulders, look more attractive and more confident. The article's in First Things. It's called Dress Up by Bruce Boyer. You should read it. But I I totally agree with you. The the thing is, some of the interesting points that he makes, uh, he talks about baseball in the States in the 50s, or or, you could do the same here for cricket or something like that. The whole audience is wearing shirts and ties. It's a gentleman. Yes. This is everyone from the postman to the doctor, the lawyer, everyone dressed with respect for what they were doing. They never left the house without showing respect for the people that they were going to meet. Boyer talks about it because he hit great on history and he talks initially about the great masculine renunciation. He places it more Victorian. I think it's probably a little bit earlier than that. But that move away from silk and satin and buckled shoes and powdered wigs and that sort of thing into what we now recognise as traditional suit. That sort of came at the same time as the growth in the middle class and democracy and industrial revolution and fear of the French Revolution and all those sorts of things feed into it. And he points to this sort of casual revolution or tailored renunciation. But rather than the way the the earlier change walked us away from flamboyance and sort of peacocking in dress, and that has come back through the years, here he calls out, which I think he's right about, about the sense of occasion, about that there's a difference for how you would dress for 
an occasion, be that a formal event or simply going out, to how you would dress just for sitting at home or relaxing, working in the garden or something like that, that there's an element of, of ritual to that dress that is dying. And I think that's, that's a shame. You lose that respect for the event and therefore for the people behind it. We shouldn't be afraid to dress up. You know, I frequently get complimented on the way I dress by men and women. But that's not the point. The point is that I'm not the norm anymore. Where 40 years ago, I would be relatively the norm. I think you're right. And it, it is interesting, actually, that and we know this from the sorts of questions we get and the, the conversations we have, that it's confusing what to wear for what event. When you don't have relatively simple, straightforward rules that you can fall back on, it's really difficult to say, what should I wear for this? I agree wholeheartedly. And moving on to questions, we have a lovely load of questions. Fantastic. All about black tie. Okay. From a gentleman called David. I won't say his surname per se. His Twitter handle is at librarygent. That's promising. It's a long list of questions. So I will start with the outside bit and then we can work question by question. Okay. He says, I wonder if yourself and James may be so kind as to help me understand black tie as a dress code as there are a few intricacies which seem to escape my understanding. A few times a year, my wife and I have the opportunity to attend such events, but as a gentleman, I find it most impossible to understand what is correct for the occasion. For example, depending on where you go to buy or hire your suit from, they will either advise you to have a wingtip or a more traditional collar to your shirt. Both will be dress shirts, but if you wear a bow tie, which is the proper style? So let's start with that. Zach, your views on this? Traditionally, wingtip was white tie, if I'm not mistaken, and then it became quite fashionable to wear it with black tie. I like wingtip shirts, personally. You can wear bow ties with both, as long as they're a dress shirt. So a dress shirt, it's generally a thicker material with a bit that resembles what it used to be, the cardboard collar section. Yes. So you usually have a dress shirt that looks like it has a funny bit on the centre chest area, which would have been your sort of uh, cardboard area underneath on top of your shirt which is your starched collar that's kind of what a dress shirt is and it can have a wingtip or a normal traditional collared shirt you can wear a bow tie with both it depends on the collar the generally the collar from more traditional collar should be slightly wider so we can see the bow tie uh, better i'm quite a fan of a wingtip shirt i think it also depends on what the suit is as well i used to wear wingtips more often and i don't anymore i think for me wingtips are a little bit Garish. It is traditional with white tie. It's important to remember, I think, that you know black tie was originally a less formal style of dress. It was around the turn of the, the last century, so you would dress for dinner with company in white tie, and if you were just dining at home, you would wear black tie. For most of us, black tie is as formal as we ever get, and it's an occasion. Unless, you, of course, you're invited to a white tie event. If you're invited to a white tie event, wear white tie. If you are going to formal dinners or the opera or things like that, then then black tie is the norm. Given the spirit of that, and given the black tie is really all around neatness and sleekness, for me, a traditional non-wingtip collar is better. It more accurately frames the face, makes the tie pop a little bit more, and doesn't leave me with an excess of material under my chain. Black tie is all about simplicity for me. I totally agree with that. So this follows on his next question, which which I know you and I can have the same answer on. (laughs) Does the bow tie itself have to be black, or are coloured ones acceptable? Black tie means black tie. It means wearing a black tie. That's the point. That's the name. I almost invariably wear a black tie. The only exception would be for a really fun party, something that was a little bit more unusual, something where I was breaking the rules a bit and there I might go with something a bit different. What I think looks terrible 
are the sort of primary coloured, solid coloured, pre-tied, cheap ties that are sold in, in high street clothes shops for Christmas. A simple slightly patterned tie or a simple something a little bit unusual, but still in keeping with that simplicity can work. For me, it's black tie means black tie and a proper bow tie that you tie. I think a self tie looks so much better. There is one exception, actually, and I don't own this tie because I've yet to see one to, to try it. But I've I've had it in my things I might like to buy list for quite a while. And it's from the excellently named Marwood ties nothing to do with me unfortunately no relation yeah. no relation but they do a fantastic lace bow tie that might be interesting i've seen it in a couple of lookbooks i've yet to see it in the flesh so i don't know for sure but it looks like a pretty heavyweight robust white lace not a particularly floral one i really like the look of it and i think for that kind of event that sort of new year's eve or a night where the rules don't apply quite so much and where you can play with them in a bit more fun that might be a fun thing to do with an otherwise very traditional outfit. If you're going a little bit OTT and you want to sort of be a standout a bit, you can also go for a cravat that you wear outside the shirt, on top of the shirt. Absolutely, yeah. But again, come back to it, I keep it black. I just always keep it black. If it says glamorous black tie or it says something that's a bit more thingy, then you can start playing with it. But I would say if it says black tie, just keep it black. It makes your life simple as well. Indeed. Next question. If the tie must be black, what sort of pocket square should be used? As a plain black one would get very lost and a dark fabric with a white one might create too much of contrast. I'll keep on the pocket square theme just for a finish. Should the pocket square be inserted in the more casual style, the flowering one, or uh, should it be a more formal, rigid, thin, straight line? What are your thoughts there, Zach? Well, I would say it should be a white or cream pocket square and should match the fabric of the black tie okay generally you've got a silk black tie so you should have a silk pocket square i would say a white or cream or off-white pocket square and keep it formal i would make it straight lined um, and my trick for a straight lined pocket square is a three by five card so it folds your pocket square around the three by five card to keep it rigid and straight you and i differ on the materials for pocket squares i think so it can look great i just tend not to to use it too much for me it's white or just slightly off-white linen. And I tend, I think, the straight line fold, which is often called a presidential fold, I quite like, or a simple sort of three points. But what I tend not to do with evening wear is a very ostentatious show. I want simplicity right the way through for that look. I think the overarching thing is keep it simple. Yes. I think one of the points about evening wear is that, assuming you're in a mixed couple or you're going to a mixed event, one of the jobs that black tie does very well is provide a backdrop or a canvas for your partner's dress and for your partner's colour. By keeping it simple, you look both elegant and you enhance the look of the person you're with. Yeah. That's part of the job. I mean, you can do, which I've done occasionally with my partners, was put the pocket square that matched the colour of her dress. Absolutely, yeah. Moving on. Are waistcoats acceptable? Again, depending on where you buy or hire this frequently as an option in place of a cummerbund, I find cummerbunds to be awkward and uncomfortable, items which do little to flatter the slimmer or the more shapely gentleman. Where and when is it essential that one wears a cummerbund? I have worn cummerbunds. I don't anymore. I think the important thing with black tie is that you don't want that little peak of white shirt showing out at your midriff. So you want your trousers to be cut to your natural waist, which can be a challenge if you're renting, and the cummerbund or a waistcoat can fix that. The problem I have with rental waistcoats is that they're very hard to fit, and getting a good, well-fitting waistcoat 
can be tricky. If you can do it, however, then I think a waistcoat with black tie is perfectly fine. But I actually cheat slightly and I tend to, to wear double-breasted because it solves all of those problems. I have cummerbunds. I can't remember the last time I've worn one. There's no formal requirement for a cummerbund. For black tie, there is for white tie. And I totally agree, double-breasted all the way. If you do decide to wear a cummerbund, one thing just to watch for is to make sure you wear it the right way up because it's not always immediately obvious. The idea is you should have the pleats facing upwards so that you could tuck your tickets into the pleats if you so wanted and avoid ruining the line of your pockets. Moving on. Should trousers have a belt? Many more formal dress suits don't seem to have belt loops, but some do. Typically I do. would always wear a belt matched to my watch and my shoes, but I've advised in different shops that suit fitters that you either should or should not, and that's why they are there or there are not belt loops. What is the truth behind the matter? I'm assuming he's talking about black tie, again, specifically for black tie in this instance. For me, no belt with black tie. Either rely on the, the fasteners to keep the suit up and the fact that the trousers fit you properly, or do as I do and wear braces. Again, it's all about that simplicity, and a belt breaks the line. So that visual line going from your foot to your head and drawing the eye up towards your face is broken by a belt. That can work fine with a more casual suit, for a smart suit and especially an evening suit, dinner suit, a belt just spoils things. Yes, I concur wholeheartedly. And as I get older, I'm becoming more and more a fan of braces over belts. They look so much better. Trousers look better when hung from the shoulders than cinched tight into your waist. Workwear, jeans, chinos, it's a slightly different matter. But formal trousers, braces. Just to say, uh, David, out there, that you are correct that the belt should match the watch and the shoes. Absolutely, yes. Next question. Uh, for black tie, are the most expressive socks which you and I share a fondness for acceptable or is it plain black the right choice for the occasion? For me, I come back to uh, keep it simple, keep it plain, black socks. Yes. This is the one time I don't wear expressive socks. You can play with the rules if it's a less formal event. However, simple, smooth, not too woolly, relatively sleek plain black socks he's working down obviously which i like excellent good so as for shoes are brogues too casual are oxford style shoes acceptable again i've been con given contradictory advice over the years including one tailor advising that only completely plain highly shined shoes are acceptable would wear with a tuxedo others suggest that standard plain black oxford or brogue are perfect perfectly acceptable in either case are fun laces allowed uh, perhaps contrasting blue or subtle purple especially if these match one socks and other accessories your thoughts sir same rules apply the traditional footwear for a dinner suit were actually pumps which were generally soft cloth slippers almost with black lacing you can still get those i think they're a little hard to pull off and also they're not the most practical if you were giving dinner at home and you're wearing black tie then perhaps then but generally speaking if you're not wearing pumps then it was either patent leather or very shined Black Oxfords. No brogues. Again, it comes back to sleekness. I think we keep mentioning this. The thing is to have a look at guys who wear black tie well, you know, look at the formal black tie people. Great black tie is the simpler the better. Absolutely. So look at the red carpets of the 1930s all the way through to today. You look at the best, well, most well-dressed stylish people. It's all very simple. You know, the Cary Grants to the, to the Hugh Jackmans, they keep it really simple. Talking about, you know, David mentioned laces there whilst i wouldn't go for the colored laces one thing i have seen which i've considered but not done and it's just because i've not got round to it rather than any thinking against it would be to replace the laces with discreet black ribbon it looks fantastic it's so discreet it's just the tiniest little flash of dandy with your shoes 
in an otherwise sleek outfit. And then come back to the, your point earlier about if it's you know New Year's Eve and you want to shush it up, and then yeah, go for fun socks and fun laces. Oh, absolutely. If at some point during the evening there's a chance you might be doing a conga, play with the rules as much as you like. <laughs> and his final question: Are accessories allowed? Pin badges, etc. I've always taken the view that so long as they are appropriate, that this is generally okay. I no political religious symbols, but if you're an event supporting cancer research, you can wear an appropriate badge, for example. The ethos behind Black Tie, they know you want to be as sleek as possible. However, for a charity event, yes, that's not a problem. One of the Masonic Lodges I sometimes visit is Black Tie. And I do sometimes wear a very discreet and small Masonic tie pin for that. I wear it just in the centre of my bow tie. I don't put things through the lapel on my dinner suit just because it's gross grain silk and I'm really nervous about marking it or leaving a hole or a pull on it. If that's less important to you and you're at a charity event and you want to wear the pin for that charity, go for it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, on that topic, it's a bit showbiz, but Bruce Forsyth, who was a English sort of showbiz variety show legend for many years, often wore a jeweled pin through his pocket square with his evening wear. And it was a very unique touch that very few people did, but he carried it off well. And obviously he was a larger than life character, you know, he was in show base. But if you want something fun like that, there's nothing to stop you adding a little touch like that that just takes the conventions of black tie and plays with it a little bit. I wouldn't do the coloured bow tie and the thing in the pin and the unusual pocket square and the socks and the, the laces. Pick one of them and play with it a bit and see how that feels. So, David, his last point, I have to read, read this out just because it's very sweet for us. I can't think of two more handsome, dapper, knowledgeable and trustworthy gentlemen's gentlemen as yourself and James to help me understand these laws of the art of the black tie. Bless him. We hope, David, that we have helped you with the art of the black tie there and given you some advice. Please share with us uh, your black tie dress when you go out on your next event with your lovely wife. Send us a photo on the Facebook page or on Instagram. We will share it and let on our readers know but these are the kind of questions we like so ladies and gentlemen if you want to ask us questions about anything style manners etiquette romance you name it we cover it here at the perfect gentleman please drop us a line drop us a message on facebook or drop us a message on twitter or instagram or send us an email at inquiries at perfectgentleman.tv and james and i are always happy to answer your questions on the podcast absolutely finally james just to wrap up a little bit of manners yes this is an interesting article you pointed zach what would be the one thing that turns off the most potential dates bad table manners bad table manners absolutely 82 percent of respondents to this poll said that bad manners were the thing that most turned them off someone just being rude and thoughtless it's amazing isn't it we keep going on about how manners matter and i think there's about three or four articles recently business and romance basically saying etiquette is incredibly important it helps you with managing business it helps you with dating it helps you with all sorts of things the simple things work so well we still live in an age where common courtesy is still not common. Yes, yes. and it's interesting, actually, the things that they called out. This was for Match.com and a company called SCS. I don't know who they are. The things that they really talked about were chewing with the mouth open, just no, using a mobile phone at the dinner table. Big no-no. You know, you're there to have a time with someone, at least show them some attention, and then listen to the other person and respond to what they're talking about. The conversation starts to drift off, you can drop in topics and things but steer clear of thorny topics steer clear of things which are going to be controversial and cause an argument or or do things like that inappropriate topics they call them things like religion politics talking about your ex 
that sort of thing. If you're not interested in the person you're having a date with, how on earth are you going to expect them to be interested in you? Absolutely. And to add on top of that, there was a further details about this um about um mobile phone etiquette in your dating game as well 75 percent of surveyed said that answering your phone on a first date would be a massive turnoff and would not get you a second date obviously sometimes you have emergencies and sometimes things happen for example i, I was in a restaurant in durham recently and there was a couple in there having what looked like a first or second date all very nervous all lots of smiles and nods and, and very sweet and what was very very nice was the guy's phone went in his pocket he apologized he stepped away from the table, answered the call, was very quick on the phone, and then came back and said, I'm really sorry about that. Something I had to deal with in the office. It's all sorted now, and I turned the phone off. Yeah, absolutely the way to do it. But there we go. I hope we've been helpful. I hope you got your black tie sorted. You're not going to be casual anymore out there. Otherwise, James might uh, bop you on the head if you turn up to a christening wearing flip-flops. <laughs> or at least look at you disapprovingly. Yes, no flip-flops to a christening. If your shirt's meant to be tucked in, took it in thank you james for a lovely wonderful another podcast and you my friend thank you always fun to rant and, and to talk about these things uh, look forward to speaking to you next week indeed take care my friend this podcast is brought to you by the perfect gentleman group limited and was edited by andy nickel at the pistachio palace